Welcome to Veg World Magazine Radio, the evolution of veggie living. And now your host, Steve Prusa. John Robbins is the author of the 25th anniversary edition of Diet for a New America, No Happy Cows, The Food Revolution, and numerous other books, widely considered to be one of the world's leading experts on the dietary link with the environment and health. His book has been featured in all major print and broadcast media, including a PBS special. Well, let's welcome right now to VegWorld magazine, John Robbins. Well, John, thank you, and welcome. Thanks for being here at VegWorld Magazine Radio. Thank you, Steve. Glad to be with you. So taking us back 25 years, John, what led you to write Diet for New America? Oh, the crying need for people to be aware of how their food was produced, um, to break through the veil that the meat industry and the industrial food machine was uh, maintaining over people's eyes, um, to allow people to become informed so they could make informed choices um, rather than being uh, simply at the mercy of um, the information, and I put that word in quotes, um, provided to them by the industry and by government, which often is in industry's pockets. Mm. I mean, taking us back even further, you were born into Baskin Robbins, the ice cream family, world, you know, billion dollar company, and yet you walked away from this immense wealth uh, lifestyle that was set up for you. What made you do that? Well, a lot of things. Um, there was a particular moment that seemed to crystallize it. My my uncle, Bert Baskin, who was my dad's partner and brother-in-law, um, they, they, they were the two men who owned and founded and owned the company, um, died of a heart attack at the age of 54. And my uncle, Bert Baskin, was a very big man who ate a lot of ice cream. And um, he died pretty young, and it, it was a... A blow to to everyone in the family, and I loved him actually very much. And when when this happened, I was quite distraught. And I asked my father if he thought there could be any connection between the amount of ice cream that my uncle would eat, which was a lot, and and his fatal heart attack. And my father said, "No, his ticker just got tired and stopped working." And. Then he looked at me in a way that said, don't ever talk about that again. Mm. Don't ever ask that question again. And, and I could understand why he wouldn't want to be in, part of the, in that conversation with me, because he, he had by that time manufactured and sold more ice cream, along with my uncle, than any human being who'd ever lived on this planet. He didn't want to think that the family product was harming anybody, much less that it could have contributed to the death of his beloved brother-in-law and partner. But he couldn't consider that question. He had to be in denial, maybe. But I felt that I needed to uh, reflect on that question. I needed to find an answer. And um, the more I looked into it, the more I, I came to the conclusion that the more saturated fat you eat, the more ice cream you eat, the more sugar you eat, um, the more likely you are to, to be obese, to be diabetic, to have heart disease, to, to have heart attacks. And, and I just decided that I didn't want to um, derive my life support, my, my income, from selling a product that was undermining people's health. Uh, I, I've never said an ice cream cone would kill anybody, but 
if you're selling it, you want people to buy as much as possible. And when people eat it in excess, then these problems definitely arise, and we know that for sure. And then I began to, to look into it further, and, and I, I, in all the Baskin-Robbins stores in those days, in the, in the actual stores behind the counters, there were these beautiful photographs, uh, sepia-toned uh, photographs that were uh, of mainly Guernsey and Holstein dairy cows grazing in beautiful uh, Wisconsin pasture lands. And the, the feeling that the, the, um, that the photographs evoked in, in customers in the stores was of closeness to nature, that, you know, wholesomeness, that these cows were grazing in beautiful land and they were uh, eating grass. And there was some kind of feeling of connection to nature and doing things the way nature intends. But what I found out when I looked into it was Baskin-Robbins' main factories in those days were, were in Southern California. And the, the dairy products that they used came from California dairies, not Wisconsin ones. And California dairy production is uh, located almost exclusively in the Central Valley, particularly the San Joaquin Valley of the state. And this is a part of the state that gets very little rainfall. It's very dry. Um, and the cows there are in feedlots. They, they're in dirt. They never see a blade of grass. Um, those photographs were lies. Um, and I began to feel uh, very queasy about those. The same photographs that had previously evoked for me and customers and were designed to evoke feelings of connection to nature now began to evoke for me personally uh, creepy feelings, queasy feelings. And I, I looked into it further, and I, I went to some of the, the um, uh, operations where Baskin-Robbins bought its, its milk products from, and I was abhorred by what I saw. The treatment of the cows was terrible, and um, it was uh, really cruel. And I began, began to look into it further, and I, I found out that that standard operating procedure for most of the large dairies in this country, certainly in California. And then I looked, in, and I saw how other animals in, in other livestock were treated, ca uh, beef cattle and, and, and hens and, and, and um, broilers and, and turkeys and uh, pigs. Everybody, basically, uh, every animal was subjected to increasingly to, to horrible conditions. And I just wanted nothing to do with it anymore. I really did. I just wanted to walk away from it entirely. And to be in integrity with myself, I, I needed to not only forego the opportunity to work with my dad and, and, and one day run the company, but to, I, I needed to walk away from the money uh, also. So I did not want to have, I told my dad I didn't want to have any access to his fortune. I didn't want to depend on his achievements. I wanted to live by my own values, and they were, in fact, different than his. So there was a lot of pain in the family at that point, but it was the choice for integrity that I had to make. And here we are all these years later, and, and Baskin-Robbins continues to thrive, right? It does. It's changed hands. Both, you know, my dad has passed away. Um, my uncle, as I mentioned, died a long time ago. Um, there are no Baskins or Robbinses involved in the company in any way, shape, or form anymore. Uh, it is no longer a family business, and they've actually changed some of their manufacturing processes uh, for the worse, frankly. They, they, they use uh, 
dairy products from cows that are injected with bovine growth hormone. A lot of the big dairies don't. Um, I mean, ice cream manufacturers, Ben and Jerry's doesn't do that. But here's another thing about Ben and Jerry's, by the way. Um, I mentioned my uncle's um, death at, at the age of 54. I don't mean to point the finger at Baskin Robbins per se. Um, ben Cohen, who, who um, the co-founder and for many years the co-owner of Ben and Jerry's, um, had a quintuple bypass in his late 40s. Um, ben Cohen is a peace activist and a very fine human being. Um, but he, he's a big guy, and he, he ate a lot of ice cream, and, and he had a very serious heart condition in his 40s. And I, I'm not trying to point the finger at him or at Ben and Jerry's per se either, but I, I want people to understand that ice cream is not a health food, that ice cream is bad for your heart, um, as are, frankly, um, just about all animal products. Um, the, the, the healthier diet is to eat a plant-strong diet to get as many of your nutrients directly from plants as possible, um, rather than going through a middleman of an animal, because the animals eat plants, um, we should eat the plants ourselves directly rather than going through the, the animals. When we do that, uh, we're a lot healthier. Now, here we are celebrating the 25th anniversary of Diet for a New America. And taking you back to that time, what else did you find in your research about the connection between health, the way we're treating animals, raised for food, and caring for the environment? Well, that is the, those are the connections that are so important for people to make, and often we don't. We, we, we kind of look at things in, with blinders on, and we look over here at the health issues of diet, and over here we look at the environmental implications of food production systems, and over here we look at um, issues of animal concern, animal welfare, animal rights, and, and we, we don't realize how connected they all are. And I'll give you an example of the connection. When we, we treat animals um, cruelly, which, which is standard operating procedure in factory farms today, um, the animals are stressed by that cruelty. The, the, the conditions are so unnatural. The diet they're fed is so unnatural. Um, the stocking densities are so concentrated. These poor animals have hardly any room to move around at all. In some cases, they have none. Um, they, they're very sick. And the only way that they can be brought to market, kept alive long enough to gain weight and so forth and, and be productive, is by using drugs. Antibiotics are mixed into um, uh, every meal they eat. A whole plethora of pharmaceutical agents are employed to keep this factory farm system operational. Otherwise, it would, it would, it would collapse because the animals are, would be so ill, um, so sick, they, they would die. Many of them do anyway, by the way. But when all these drugs are used, what happens is residues from those drugs end up on our plates, and antibiotic-resistant bacteria end up in our foods, and antibiotic-resistant bacteria end up in our, in our world. And it is one of the main reasons that our antibiotics are, using, are losing their effectiveness now, is, and that reason is the, the, the widespread use of antibiotics in meat production, and again, not to, to treat a, a sick animal that's, that's uh, uh, suffering from a bacterial infection, but as feed additives mixed into the dose of every meal the animal eats, um, 
merely to keep them alive under these cruel conditions. So what happens is the more cruelly we treat the animals, the more drugs are used, and then our medical uh, uh, system loses its, its most powerful weapons, and we, we become um, much more uh, susceptible to uh, the damage from bacterial infections and deaths from them. There are several hundred thousand people now dying every year in the United States from uh, bacterial infections that 15 years ago would have been easily treated by antibiotics but, but aren't any longer. Um, and that is right at the doorstep of the factory farm use of antibiotics. Well, what progress has been made? So when you went back and you revisited the book and, and you, you know, added to it, what changes have been made since the original edition of Diet for a New America? Well, there, on the pl- positive side, there's a lot more awareness today mm. um, that animals in, in, in modern meat production are treated terribly, and, that, and, and there's a lot more awareness that people they don't want to part, participate in that. Um, there's um, an, an emerging recognition that all beings are related, and that how we treat animals says something important about who we are as people. Um, there is there is a growing understanding that the confinement of animals in, in factory farms and feedlots is a crime against nature. It's a, it's a violation of the ancient bond between humans and animals, and it produces food that's damaging to the health of our bodies, to our world, and our spirits. Um, I, I, I I'm glad that that awareness is growing. Um, I I also see industry trying to. A greenwash and and profit from that, from pretending that their products aren't bad anymore, when when they often are, um, but at least people are becoming more aware. Um, there's been some tremendous breakthroughs in in, in the health side of things. The research, um, of the research of people like uh, Dr. Dean Ornish, um, T. Colin Campbell, Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn, phenomenal research. Uh, incontrovertible research uh, showing that a plant-strong diet um, that's healthy, um, natural foods, um, not processed foods, and low in sugar and fats, are um, that type of a diet is tremendously successful, not just in preventing many diseases, but in treating them, in reversing heart disease, in reversing uh, or arresting prostate cancer, in um, arresting many forms of cancer, um, in preventing, uh, helping people be lean and uh, preventing obesity and, and also pre- uh, preventing the, uh, and greatly lowering the incidence of diabetes. Um, there are so many actual illnesses that are um, prevented and or cured uh, or reversed by, by a healthy plant-strong diet. And, and this information now is becoming so clear um, so the research is so impeccable and so convincing and compelling that at this point in time, um, it's almost medical malpractice, though it happens all the day, all the time, uh, for doctors not to recommend uh, this kind of diet. The problem is that doctors see sick people all the time, and so you go, a person comes in at a certain age and they've got high blood pressure and they're overweight, and the doctor says, well, that's to be expected at this age. Um, 
and yeah, it's to be ex- it's, it's to be expected by him that his patients will come in with that because that's what he sees all day or she sees all day. But um, it, it, it when you say that it's to be expected, you kind of normalize it and, and you make it okay and you you make it acceptable and you, you imply that there's really nothing to be done about it when in fact dietary changes are very often um, tremendously effective and we know that now uh, much more strongly than, than we did 25 years ago mm. yeah and even then when you wrote the book there was considerable research so it, it's amazing when you cite all these doctors how far we've come it is it is and there was a lot of research but now, I mean, now Bill Clinton uh, is a vegan. I mean, it, 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 in, in 25 years ago, the word vegan was hardly known in, in the American culture. It, it's a British term in its origins. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't actually use the word vegan in Diet for a New America in the original edition because it would not have been recognized. People, when they read it, pronounced it vegan or vegan. They, did, they didn't know the word. They'd never heard it. And... And so I used just uh, degrees of vegetarian, I, and I talked about being a pure vegetarian. Or, or and, and and always my goal has never been to make people vegans, but but to help people transition to a more conscious, and healthier and more compassionate diet and way of life. Um, I don't tell people where they should draw the line about what they're going to eat or or not, but I do think very strongly that people can only draw that line in an intelligent and conscious and heartful way if they know the truth about what's going on and how the food's been produced and, and what's, been, what's been learned in medical research. And they will not learn that from industry. They won't, and they won't learn it, unfortunately, from government either. Because, as I mentioned earlier, government so very, very often and, and tragically is simply a mouthpiece for, for lobbyists and, and for industry power and industry money. Um, the, the USDA, for example, um, the Department of Agriculture, has a dual mandate. Uh, one, on one hand, it's designed to, um, to create the food pyramid or the food groups or, and, and oversee nutritional education in the schools of this country. And on the other, its mandate is to promote the sale of U.S. agricultural products, and in particular, U.S. animal products. So what happens then is we get a farm bill, um, that has $60 worth of subsidies to the meat and dairy industry for every dollar it has in subsidies to fresh fruits and vegetables and whole grains. Um, this is the kind of thing that totally corrupts the system. And in the face of that, people have to inform themselves by reading books like Diet for a New America mm-hmm. and listening to shows like, like you produce. Um, and really reach out themselves to learn uh, outside of the box of, of what is ex- the, the, the standard um, thinking entails. Because the standard in thinking is getting us uh, in a, into a very sick place. We, we have the highest rates of obesity of any country in the history of the world right now. We have the highest uh, spending on medical care. Um, we call it health care, but it really it isn't health. Care. It's 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 disease care, um, and and our our, our uh, it, on every level our, our health is declining. You see it in children and, and who are fat and diabetic. You see it in the cancer rates. Um, you see it in the tremendous profits of the pharmaceutical companies. 
Um, you see it in, in the, the bankruptcies that families experience from medical bills. Um, you see it in the, the, the uh, uh, cost to business of um, insuring their, their workers um, because the prices are going up all the time. Um, and, and that undermines um, uh, the, the viability of a lot of companies. There's there so many ways that our, our disastrous eating habits um, are, are, are undermining our, our well-being. And at the same time, <laughs> there's a tremendous opportunity here for individuals and us as a society collectively as, as, in terms of our policies to reverse this damaging course and start to eat in a way that's healthy for us and produce food in a way that's healthy for the environment. And if we did that, and we can, the, the benefits and values to us, the rewards would be miraculous. They, they'd be spectacular. Well, you advocate, you talked before about a plant-strong diet. Can you talk more about that? Yes. The more of your vitamins and minerals, the more of your phytochemicals and antioxidants, um, and the, the more of your macronutrients as well, your fats and carbohydrates and protein, that you get from plants as opposed to from animals, uh, the healthier you will be. Now, when I say the healthier you will be, what I mean is this. Your immune system will be stronger, so you will have less susceptibility to infectious disease. Your cardiovascular system will be stronger, so you'll have uh, a lower incidence of heart disease, you'll, you're, 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 and, and you'll have lower blood pressure. Um, you, your uh, respiratory system will function uh, more optimally, so you'll have less incidence of emphysema and lung cancer and, and asthma and so forth. You'll feel better. You'll be leaner and stronger and more flexible and more resilient. Your, your emotional um, uh, in, well-being will also be enhanced. You'll, be, you'll have more inner peace. You'll have a more creative capacity to respond to life's stresses in a positive way, in a, in a, in a resourceful way. Um, it's, it doesn't spare all suffering, but it enables you to respond to the suffering in your life in a more positive and, 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 and generous way, more heartful way, um, a more successful way. The, the, uh, the, the, when, when we shift to a plant-strong diet, when we, when we get as many of our nutrients as possible from plants, um, something changes um, that is quantifiable in terms of lower, lower rates of disease but, and, and blood, blood measures and so forth, blood markers, cholesterol comes down, um, lipids go, get down, blood sugar is normalized, all these kinds of things improve. But there's also an unquantifiable, uh, something you can't measure in a test tube, benefit that happens in that people just feel more alive. They, their hearts sing more. They're, they're, there's a sense of being grateful for the, for the miracle of life, the opportunities of life, the, the preciousness of life. There is a sense that instead of life being a burden that you slog through, it, it's more of an opportunity or an adventure to explore and a, and a, and a gift to receive. And, and that your own gifts that you've been born with are, 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 are more fully given then. You, you have the capacity to live with more love in your life and more beauty in your life. I can't prove those things uh, mathematically. That I'm, I'm talking now outside of the range of what we can measure and quantify, but it's very real, and, and many, many people 
uh, have told me this. I, I, I have received 60,000 letters from uh, when DNA first came out um, in 1987. Um, this was before the, the Internet and email. Mm-hmm. And I received 60,000 letter, actual letters post, through the post office from people who wrote me telling me these things that I'm saying that, the, about the improvements in their lives and the changes in their lives and their, and their gratitude for this. And I, I had to think, well, if 60,000 people actually took the trouble of writing me, how many more felt similarly but didn't actually write? So I know that a lot of people um, were experiencing and have continued to experience those kinds of benefits. I, I want them, more people to have the, the, these benefits um, in their lives, to, to, to know the joy of, of their own spirits and, and to feel in their bodies the, 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 um, the vibrancy and the vitality uh, and, and, and the, the personal power that uh, living a truly healthy life can bring. And, but to this, a lot of people would say that sounds crazy, and I've been told all my life that I need meat to thrive and grow muscle, and how can you possibly say plant-based food is more nutritious or will make you strong? How is, how is it possible that you can live on rabbit food? And what do you say <laughs> to that? <laughs> well, yeah, the, the meat industry has put out a great deal of corporate industrial propaganda um, their marketing budgets are, are absolutely extravagant. And, and they come out with these lines like meat gives strength or, um, you know, milk is nature's most perfect food. And it's all bullshit, really. Uh, nature is, <laughs> milk is nature's most perfect. Cow's milk is nature's most perfect food for a baby calf mm-hmm. who has four stomachs and will gain a, several hundred pounds in its first 12 months. Um, if you have four stomachs and, and you want to gain several hundred pounds in the next year, then, then, then drink a lot of milk. And so you'll find it's the perfect food for the job. But uh, it's not for human, it's not the optimum food for human beings. Um, and um, beef is not uh, necessary for strength. Um, as we speak, there, the, the uh, NFL playoffs are, are happening. One of the star runners. Um, in the NFL right now is a vegan. Uh, um, there's, there are so many major athletes, um, strength athletes as well as endurance athletes, who are um, achieving phenomenal success as vegans or near vegans. Um, personally, I, I grew up rather um, um, uh, sick, sickly. I had polio as a kid, and I, I was in a wheelchair for a while. Um, but I, I outgrew that in some remarkable way and um, I became a triathlete and a, uh, a a marathon runner and I'll send you a photo of me I'm 65 now um, I can bench press my weight 25 times very few people in the world can do that at this age wow. um, and the the idea that you need meat for strength is such um, BS you know, there's no truth to it. There's no validity. There is absolutely no science or research to substantiate that. But it's so widely believed that I call it part of the cultural trance. When, when people agree on something widely that isn't true, I don't know what to call that other than superstition or illusion, but if it's collectively held, it can feel as though it's true, because you get a lot of reinforcement from other people agreeing about it. But in fact, 
that, that we're seeing incredible numbers of, of martial artists, of um, football and baseball and basketball stars um, eating vegan or near-vegan diets and, th- and doing great on, on them. Their performance improves. Um, and the, 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 um, and that's just at the fitness level. Um, as you get older, um, the, the benefits become even, even more so. Um, and the advantages in, 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 for elders, I saw a bumper sticker recently, and I think it was intended to mock vegetarians. It said, vegetarians die healthier. And I think they were saying, well, see, vegetarians die too, which, of course, is, right. is absolutely the case. We all, life is mortal. We're, we're all going to pass away at some point. Mm-hmm. No diet's going to prevent that. Mm-hmm. Nor, nor, you know, that's, that's life. But the fact that vegetarians die healthier is actually quite significant. It's true. Vegetarians have lower rates of Alzheimer's. Um, they have healthier elderhoods. Um, they aren't... They aren't uh, brought to their knees by uh, these really uh, uh, harsh afflictions that most of our older people experience um, nearly as much. And, and they have lower rates of cancer. Uh, they have um, uh, uh, lower rates of, 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 uh, of heart disease. Um, they, they are really healthier by every, me- every measure we have of assessing health outcomes. We're talking to John Robbins. He's the author of the new 25th anniversary edition of the classic Diet for a New America. We recommend everyone get a copy of that book. Uh, we love all of John's books, but it's particularly that one is a great place to start. His website is johnrobbins.info. That's www.johnrobbins.info. We refer you to our current edition of Veg World magazine for the pictures of John so you can hear you know, see everything he's talking about here right now. So, John, what's for the future? What are your plans here? Do you, um, you know, as 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 we celebrate this book, what are you, what are you considering as in moving forward here too? Well, I am the uh, co-founder and co-director of the Food Revolution Network, which now has ninety thousand members, and people can um, uh, learn about this and sign up for it. It's free at foodrevolution.org foodrevolution.org. Um, it's free, and we're, we're providing a lot of information and support for people, um, including interviews with people like Dr. Ornish and Joel Furman and Neil Barnard and, and Mark Bittman and, and, and um, some wonderful, wonderful people, um, and uh, ongoingly. And it, it's, a, it's a terrific project. I'm, I'm doing it along with my son, Ocean, who has become quite the activist, and um, I'm very proud of him and grateful that he's joined me in this work to the degree he has. Um, uh, Dr. Esselstyn we, and Colin Campbell we've interviewed, um, and, and people can hear these interviews, and, and there's a tremendous uh, amount of resources at foodrevolution.org. Great, John. Well, thanks for being with us on the show today and being featured in this month's Veg World magazine and celebration of the book. Diet for a New America, the 25th edition. Everyone should get a copy of that. John, thanks so much for being here and for all the work you're doing in spreading this message. Well, thank you, Steve, and thank you for all the work you're doing also to, to awaken people to their power and make a difference. Thanks for being here, John. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. That was John Robbins. Again, his website, www. 
johnrobbins.info. And thank you for being here for another edition of Veg World Magazine Radio. We'll be back next month with another edition. Thanks for being here. Thank you for listening to Veg World Magazine Radio. Join us each month for exclusive interviews with the movers and shakers in veggie living. Subscribe free at www.vegworldmag.com.